We ask that we would hear your voice from heaven. We pray that you would help us to not refuse it. We pray that we would see your son glorified. That we would take refuge in him. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen. Did you hear the story about the burglar who was in prison and his elderly father wrote him a letter saying that he would really find it a struggle at this year on account of his old age but he was getting ready to dig the back field uh, to plant some spuds in it. So the son wrote a letter back to him from prison telling him not to bother digging in the field, that that was where he had buried all the loot, all the stuff he had robbed. So a few days went by, and the father wrote again to say, you'll never guess what happened, but the police came and dug about in the field and found nothing. And the son replied and said, well, it was the only way he could help, but now it was time to plant the spuds. The message was for one person. It was written for his dad. But he knew that it would have a wider audience. He knew that the people in the prison uh, would be reading uh, everything that he said. That's a bit like our reading from uh, the book of the prophet Haggai today. It's a message which is for one person. But it's not just for him. We're meant to be listening in uh, to benefit from it as well. It's not like the post uh, that mum and dad used to receive addressed to 42 Church Street, Drumore. Except it was for the same address in Drumore, County Tyrone and a certain Mr. McElhome. Here we're meant to be receiving it. And learning from the message which is addressed to Zerubbabel. We're now in the final chunk of Haggai's book. In the the series of four messages he delivered in Jerusalem in the year 520 BC. After Jerusalem had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and his army. The people had been taken away to Babylon. For about 70 years. But now they have returned again to their their home. To their own land. To Jerusalem. But they were more keen to build their own panelled houses. Than they were to build the house of the Lord. The temple. And so over a few months. And a few messages. Haggai challenged the people to consider your ways. And build the house. To keep working even though the building didn't look very impressive. He confronted them with their uncleanness. Their anti-Midas touch. And yet promised that God would bless them anyway. From that day onward. 
Well, now, on the same day as the previous message, the same day as the message about being unclean, Haggai has another word of the Lord, this time for Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel is the the governor of Judah. He's the person in charge of the city and the region. This would be like someone calling at the first minister's office at Stormont with a word for Arlene Foster. And what is it that God is saying to Zerubbabel and through him to us? Well, the message, and it might be good if you turn back to see exactly what it does say, but the message breaks into two parts. There's the shaking and the signet ring. Let's look at them in turn. Verse 21. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I'm about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders. And the horses and their riders shall go down, every one by the sword of his brother. God says that he is going to shake the heavens and the earth. So it's not just an earthquake that is in view but rather a universe quake. It's something that only God can do. Perhaps you've heard of the hypothetical science question which asks, if everyone on earth gathered together in the same place and jumped at the same time and landed on the earth at the same time, would it have any impact? Would we be able to shift the earth And its orbit. And the answer is. No. You wouldn't even notice. It's impossible for us. But it's as easy for God. To do. As it is for us to shake. The sand off your feet. Or out of your trainers. Or your sandals. After a walk on the beach. And you see the purpose of the shaking again in verse 22. To overthrow the throne of kingdoms. God is going to overthrow and destroy the power of the nations of the world. By this point, uh, the Babylonian Empire, the one that had taken uh, the, the Jews away... Well, it had been conquered by the Medes and the Persians. But God says that they too will be overthrown. That they too won't be able to stand. Just like a Jenga tower that collapses when the wrong block is removed. Or like a Monopoly board overturned because someone is losing. And the houses and hotels go everywhere as we thought about with the children. God is saying that he is in control of the nations. He can bring ruin whenever he chooses. He can raise up and he can overturn. And this is good news for the people of Jerusalem. You see, they're fed up with kingdoms coming to conquer. They've seen enough of chariots and riders coming into their land. 
So no matter how powerful the king might appear, no matter what the chariots come to do, they are not all powerful. They will not have the last word. God is in control. And he tells Zerubbabel about a day that is coming, this day of shaking, of overthrowing the kingdoms of the world. Now perhaps when Zerubbabel heard about this shaking, perhaps he was frightened himself. After all, he was the governor of the city. He was in charge of the region of Judah. What would the shaking mean for him? Perhaps his legs were shaking and his knees were knocking when he heard of it. But Haggai has this final word. This word for Zerubbabel, which we too can listen in. A word of grace and promise. In the very last verse of Haggai, verse 23. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. On that self-same day, on that day of shaking, Zerubbabel will be made like God's signet ring. Now, whenever I read that, I, I wasn't entirely sure what a signet ring was. I have a vague idea, but I wasn't sure. And maybe that's the same with you. So, so I had a look into it. And the signet ring was a mark of authority. So if the, if the king was sending out a letter, he would get a bit of wax and, and put it at the bottom. And then he would imprint his sign, his signet ring, to show that it came from him. To show uh, that he was saying it or doing it. It's something uh, that we still do uh, in some uh, ways. Normally, at the bottom of graduation certificates from universities, there's the seal of the university. Although, when I pulled out my Trinity certificate from Dublin, I realised that there's no seal at the bottom, and I'm not sure quite what that means. I promised that I did the exams, and I passed them, and I have some form of certificate, but there's no seal on it, so... Um, Don't let anyone else know that. Don't tell the bishop anyway. (laughs) But then I found my institution certificate, the bit of paper uh, that shows that I'm meant to be here, meant to be the rector. And you probably can't see it terribly well, but um, the red bit here um, is the seal of the Archbishop of Armagh, because we had no Bishop of Clocker at the time. Uh, he uh, has made his mark. There's the, uh, the seal um, embossed on the paper. And if you want, you can have a look at that uh, over tea and coffee uh, to check that I should be here after all. <clears throat> but do you see what God is saying here? The nations may be in uproar. The, the kingdoms may be overthrown. 
But Zerubbabel has been chosen and will be like a signet ring, the symbol and agent of God's power in the world. God has his eye on Zerubbabel. His purposes will involve Zerubbabel. Now you might be thinking, well, well, that's nice for Zerubbabel. But what does that mean for us? Why do we need to hear about that? Why do we need to talk about it? Well, remember who Zerubbabel is. We're told that he's the son of Shealtiel. And those names might not mean very much to us. But the opening chapter of Matthew helps us to see the bigger picture. Zerubbabel is the son of Shealtiel, who was the son of Jeconiah. And I I was actually nice to Davy. I didn't make him read the whole chapter of Matthew 1 with all the names. He only got the last little bit. But if you read the whole of Matthew 1, you would find that Jeconiah is the great, 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 great grandson of King David. And that means that God taking an interest in him is good news for him and good news for us as well. Despite being born in exile, his name means seed of Babylon. God had chosen him. God had named him my servant. Despite the ways the kings from David to Jeconiah had messed up, leading to exile in the first place, God was still fulfilling his promise to David that one of his sons would rule on the throne. God has not finished with his promise. He's still interested in the line of David. He's still working to bring the long-awaited Christ from this family line. And even though Zerubbabel is just the governor of Judah, he's not the king of Israel as David had been. He is the sign, he's the the pointer that God will fulfill those promises. That the Christ is still on his way. And so Matthew connects the dots like a, a, a dot to dot. And brings us from Zerubbabel to Jesus, who is called Christ, the successor of this same Zerubbabel. But what has this to do with us? How does a message to Zerubbabel impact on us? Well, God promises a day of shaking, wherein the kingdoms who are opposed to him will be overthrown. And his chosen servant king will be his signet ring, his power in the world, his precious possession. And the writer to the Hebrews, which we heard as well today, picks up on this promise and sees it as something still to come in the future. A day of shaking with different outcomes. The things that are shaken Removed, like the houses on the Monopoly board. And only the unshakable 
remaining. It made me think of a BBC News report that you maybe saw as well after the earthquake in Amatrizzi in Italy back in August. Almost 300 people died that day when the earthquake shook and the, and, uh, the, the houses just collapsed with people in them. And the reporter standing among the rubble of the village said that the Italian government had a choice. They had to decide whether they were happy with earthquakes happening every so often and about 300 people dying each time. And leaving people's houses just as they are. Or if it would invest millions of euros to make homes earthquake proof. To make them safe to be in when the shaking happens. That contrasting image of the shakeable and the unshakeable. The earthquake prone and the earthquake proof. This is what Haggai's last message to Zerubbabel is all about. It's why that last message is for us as well. There will be a day when God shakes the universe, the heavens and the earth. Kingdoms and people will be overthrown. There is only one safe place to be on that day. To be in the unshakable kingdom. To shelter In the signet ring. The coming Christ. The chosen of the Lord. The one who gives us that. Unshakable kingdom. We. Come to a close with the prophet Haggai. But. Long may his words remain with us. As we consider our ways. As we keep going even though the work can seem small and insignificant. The word of blessing even when we mess things up. And the promise of eternal refuge and shelter. It's as we come in a few moments to the table of the Lord. As we remember the broken body and shed blood of the Lord Jesus. He is our only refuge. He is our only eternal safe place. Come to that shelter today. Don't stay outside thinking that you can manage on your own. Come to Christ. Take refuge in him. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that we hear your word spoken to us from heaven. We pray that we would not refuse you who speak to us. We pray that you would help us to take refuge in you as we look to this day of shaking. May we find our security in Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.